Well, thanks for joining us for this CEDA podcast where we're having the important conversation around the importance of communication at a time of crisis and uncertainty. And of course, uh, COVID-19 has really put this whole issue front and centre. I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Colette Snowden, who teaches and researches on strategic communication at the University of South Australia. Uh, Colette, thanks for joining us. Hi, Melinda. We certainly uh, live in interesting times. Uh, indeed. It's a phrase that we are really coming to appreciate um, at the moment. Um, why don't we jump straight into it? Um, I think, you know, obviously at a time of great uncertainty, communication is really important. How do you think that we're handling that at the moment in the face of the COVID-19 crisis? How well do you think we're doing? Well, I think based on the maths, we've been too slow and we certainly need to be ramping up our uh, efforts. But of greater concern to me as a communicator at the moment is the gap between uh, what public health and government officials know and the decisions they're making and the perception of the public. And I think that isn't being as managed as, as well as it could be. Yeah, I think we've talked before about the challenges around um, communicating this issue when the, the, the numeracy requirements, if you like, to understanding the significance of things that move exponentially um, and also dealing with the invisibility of the, of the mm. challenge um, is, is, a, is a real issue that perhaps we haven't quite got our head around in the way we might. Yeah, that, that's right. And I would have liked to have seen more uh, use of visual uh, communication from the government to so that people could actually visualise what what they're trying to do. Like what, what we are, we're taking precautionary measures to stop the worst case scenario. But people can't see that. I think it's not like a bushfire or a cyclone or a natural disaster that it occurs in a limited frame of time and then you deal with the aftermath. Uh, a viral um, pandemic is an ongoing crisis and it's pretty much an invisible one until people get sick. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the other challenges is it, it starts slow, mm -hmm. it moves fast, but it also has implications for quite quite a, an extended period of time. And I think we're seeing that at the moment in some of the very public conversations around the school closure debate with the Prime Minister today, you know, talking about kids potentially missing out on a whole year of school if we send schools home now and then talking about periods of six months. Yeah, you know, I think it's really hard for people to get their heads around that. How do you see that from a strategic communications perspective? What's What's important to bring people with you in those sorts of circumstances? Well, again, I think it goes back to uh, explaining to people in a very clear way what the worst case scenario is and what we're trying to prevent. Now, obviously, all of our systems uh, and our networks are being uh, tested in ways that we there's no way that you can prepare for uh, except by imagine, imagining this situation. And what we're finding is that they are um, that they're stressed in ways that, that people didn't anticipate. Uh, and some of that, I think, should have been expected because the World Health Organization has had planning and, and has urged governments to prepare for, for a pandem 
for a pandemic situation for over a decade at least. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a good point. Um, I think one of the other real challenges, particularly for the government, uh, is trying to be clear about um, what they think success looks like. Oh, um, absolutely. And, and ironically, success will look like people saying, we overreacted, all of that was unnecessary. Uh, what was that all about? Because what you want is failure. You want the failure of the virus. You, you mm -hmm. want to stop transmission. So when you want to stop something, it's very hard to, to, to show people what you stopped yeah. <laughs> because it's not visible. Um, and so it's a very, conceptually, it's a very difficult situation, I think. If you reflect back on, um, in a recent past, we've had to deal with, I think a similar challenge of trying to stop something becoming worse than it might be. And I'm talking specifically about the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you think, how do you think we're doing if you sort of reflect on what we may, may have gotten right or wrong then? And have we learned some lessons in how we communicate the challenges and actually try to bring the community with us in understanding that um, if you if you err on the side of overreacting and getting ahead of this, the risk is that you look like you did that, but yeah. people people never understand how bad it might have been. Well, under normal circumstances, planning requires you to you know consider things like how much is this going to cost, who's going to be affected, um, all of those kinds of strategic implications. But in a crisis situation, your first and only priority is how are we going to save lives? And I think that that's the difficulty that people are having because we can't actually see it at the moment. Um, and I have been driven in my own approach to this by following what's been happening in Italy and particularly the on-the-ground stories from people there. Uh, and that's what we're trying to avoid. And that, that's what needs to be communicated to people. Uh, it's a matter of urgent, um, urgent action. And similarly with the global financial crisis, not all of the actions taken were perfect, but they worked. And uh, in, in a similar case, we're going to make some mistakes reacting to this particular situation. Things will change. And, and that's also hard for people to grapple with and it heightens fear and anxiety. And I think from a communication perspective, um, it's very vital that people have constant reassurance. Yeah, and constant messaging. Mm -hmm. um, we, were, we were talking, Colette, about um, how also in a rapidly moving environment that changing your direction or changing your decisions doesn't necessarily mean that you're panicking. That, uh, And I think that's one of the things that I've found is that, um, you know, when things move quickly and you you make new decisions or you reflect that, sometimes people will say to you, well, hang on, what, you know, there's no need to panic, where really um, it's actually just an, an effort to try to keep up with um, new information or um, a new perspective on on information that you already had. 
Oh, that that's absolutely correct. And and an ongoing crisis is about changing things. It's changing every day. Things will be different. But I also think that people, when they when they express this this uh, idea about panic, it it's in some ways it's a projection of their own fear and anxiety. Um, because they, they've got, you've given them one piece of information that they've absorbed and thought about, and then we give them another piece of information that they then have to react to. And again, this is where, this is where trust and reassurance are so important. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, I'm interested in what you think the messages um, are from your research and teaching around strategic communications for how businesses, business leaders and even team leaders uh, manage their communications at the moment. Well, I think you have to have two parallel streams of communication. One is dealing with the current situation and one is planning for the future. Uh, and assuming that there is, there, there is a future for your business, Taking the opportunity that this, that that what first of all what you're learning from the situation we know that um, our systems, our national systems, international systems, but even within the smallest businesses, our systems are being tested in a way that you wouldn't normally do. So analysis of those systems is really important. How well is your communication with your customers working? Uh, what feedback are you getting from them? And particularly planning for maintaining relationships with your key clients, your customers, um, people who are important to you. This is where all of those, uh, the trust bank that you've built up over time is really important. So you're going to be extracting uh, goodwill from that trust bank at a very high rate during a crisis. What are you doing to actually put it back in? What are you planning for? When can you can you test your website? Can you redesign it? Can you um, reconfigure some of your systems so that when you come back, uh, you come back stronger? Yeah, I think that's a really good point in thinking about um, if you you know I, I think some businesses are really in crisis mode. Um, but the challenge is then to think about what uh, what you can do um, with this opportunity because it does mean uh, there are opportunities to do things differently, uh, as you said, to engage differently with customers and to try to think about um, what you do uh, when when we recover because we will, um, mm. you know, in terms of maintaining and, and further strengthening those relationships. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there are some people... There are some things that, that you can do that you don't normally have time to do that will improve efficiency and productivity later. So, for example, cleaning up all your data systems, uh, updating all your software, um, getting rid of all the, the crap in your office, all of that kind of, kind of thing. We can actually see that as, a, uh, as an opportunity and, and in a way start with a clean slate, hopefully in two or three months. And how, how do you think um, you go about communicating that to your teams? I mean, how do you think you, you, you do that from a strategic perspective? Because I think some people might say, well, hang on, that's just making work and that's probably not a bad thing at the moment and people will be glad to have mm. their jobs. But 
what's what's critical to sort of positioning that as an optimistic look to the future and setting up those foundations? Well, I, I guess you can you can do a, an uh, an audit of your business. You can do an audit of all aspects of it, and get feedback from uh, the staff. And in a way, that will help to allay their anxiety and allow them to contribute the knowledge and information that they have. That um, in the, in the normal day to day, um, um, uh, when when you're busy, not normally that they haven't had an opportunity to express. So asking them, where are the weaknesses in in the way that we're doing things at the moment? This is an opportunity for, for us to discuss them, and and to fix them, and to so that we're ready to go, and, and we're going to have first mover advantage by doing that. Do you, Colette? I'm not sure if um, how closely you follow sort of communications on a day to day basis, and I'm not thinking just about communications from government, but more generally. Do you think I'm they're... obsessed? <laughs> so, I'm so obsessed. Who's, doing, who's doing a good job at the moment? Uh, well, I think Norman Swan of the ABC is doing an excellent job, and 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 he has a lot of trust with um, the Australian public because it's been established over more than thirty years. He has the authority of his own uh, uh, training at, uh, as a medical professional. And he has a particular uh, style of communication that is reassuring and, and again, engenders trust in the audience. Um, and I think that um, it's an indication that in, in a time of crisis, the person in an organisation who's charged with communication doesn't necessarily have to be the leader, but someone who is close to the leadership and who can be charged with with uh, that role in your organisation? So you have a, a, um, basically one source of communication with your people. Yeah, I think that's a point um, you've made before as well around just that it's critically important that there is one single um, authoritative voice, and particularly if you've got questions coming up through an organisation that they all get channeled into a central location so that you get a consistent a consistent response and it's hard to do isn't it oh it's very hard but it what you want to do is not fragment the communication so that it starts to to splinter and people are, are hearing one thing from one person and then mm, at the same thing but it's been slightly reconfigured from another person and so that, that they know, that, and eventually people, uh, and very quickly people come to to know this is the person that I need to be paying attention to. So I reckon there's um, some really interesting challenges uh, in Australia, yeah. in particular around just that message around having one source of truth and uh, and a trusted source of truth. Now, for government, I think the big challenge is, of course, we, we have a feder federated system of government, which means... Mm. You've got people in different jurisdictions who, you know, really want to own the messaging, if you like, or want to be that source of communication. So how do you manage that? Well, I think it's difficult because, and obviously there are some uh, particular uh, local and regional issues that have to be handled. And obviously Tasmania is in a different situation to the mainland 
they can they can they can they have particular uh, points of entry from uh, the mainland that they can monitor whereas the the other states don't have that and they need to be much more coordinated with the federal uh, government uh, and again this comes back to the unseen hand of management who is coordinating the communication between the federal government and the states and the states and local government um, so that, that there is a very clear and consistent path of communication through all those authorities. I think one of the great challenges, Colette, uh, for business and government really in Australia at the moment, and it's not unique to Australia, but it's this lack of um, trust at the moment. You talked about the importance of having a trust bank. Um, you talked directly to the fantastic bank of trust that Norman Swan has built up, which is really enhancing his credibility um, at the moment as, as a communicator. But what are the implications for business uh, in particular uh, around what they have to do in this crisis, given that they don't really have a lot of trust um, in the bank? They have to find it. But, and that means that they have to establish some trust with their audiences. And the best way to do that is to be honest, to be direct. And in some cases, you might need to get some help in, in, in crafting your messages so that they, that they do that um, from people who are professionals in this field. Um, uh, but I, I, and maybe identifying someone within an organisation who who is is good at it and who is trusted, particularly by other employees. So, uh, and, and it might not be the person that you would normally go to, but there there are people within organisations who are considered highly trustworthy. Uh, that that people would would rely on for information. So being able to identify those people is important. But of course, when the message comes from leadership, that's when people will really pay uh, attention. And how you actually manage the communication at this time will actually be very important in. Um, either building or preserving the trust you have with both your internal and external audiences. Yeah, I wonder whether one of the opportunities that presents itself now is for a different way of communication from uh, some of our business leaders and from, and from big companies. I think sometimes they get advice that tells them um, that they should perhaps be a little bit more risk averse or to speak in a slightly different voice that I think some perceive as lacking authenticity and maybe there's a moment now where um, you'll see some bolder and braver communication that that might actually cut through and re-establish that trust. Yeah, and there might be some uh, small things that, that people can do that, that where they can use resources in uh, in their organisations to... to uh, you know, to help their staff or or to provide them with information that they might need, or you know, just to um, just to reassure them. Yeah, send send, send some toilet rolls home. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess the other great challenge too is just um, you know the wall of social media uh, and uh, the the sort of the both the tone of it. Um, 
the unrelenting nature of social media, I think we all know it's easy to sort of just all of a sudden get on it and you just find yourself burrowing down into um, a tone that sometimes isn't helpful. You know, what are the implications for clear, impactful strategic communications against the backdrop of of all of that noise and, and the chaos of social media? Yeah, well, we we really have to guard, particularly against doom surfing, where you you, you know you you do you get online and you and the anxiety and the um, the furor of people uh, starts to infect your own thinking. So, identifying sources of information that are credible and authoritative is really is really important and in a way that's why organizations need to you know need to take command of their own communication just because people um, are not in the workplace doesn't mean that they shouldn't be uh, communicated with regularly so that might mean say having every morning or at, uh, every afternoon an update that is specific to your business Social media is such a, a double-edged sword. You know, it can it, you can get fast information that is credible and reliable, but at the same time, you can get the, at the, exactly the same speed rumors and gossip. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so you kind of have to cancel it out by controlling your own media and communication. Uh, particularly with your with your with your vital staff i i I think we have to remember that that this is a even though it's an ongoing crisis and an ongoing situation it will pass at the moment we're not exactly sure when Um, but once it passes that demand is going to be released people will want to go out to events. They'll want to catch up with people that they haven't seen. They'll want to buy things. They'll want to uh, see people. We need to be ready for that. And in the meantime, we also have to be human. We have to use our sense of humour, send each other jokes and cartoons and pictures of our dogs and all those things that we normally do Um, because um, this pandemic as the World Health Organization has said from the beginning, was inevitable. It's been planned for. We just need to get on top of it. Yeah, maybe just worth thinking a little bit more about that point, Colette, around um, communicating with friends and family and and the you know those in the wider community. I think we've we've seen lots of examples of. Um, I just think manifestations of people's stress, which which don't mm. look great. But, you know, perhaps we might finish off. If you've got any tips for how we need to think about how we communicate with those closest to us and and try to be a little bit more compassionate in that respect. Well, I guess I'm thinking of it metaphorically as a period of hibernation. You know, we're going to close down things. We're going to be slow down things. People have have been talking about the... The, the fact that we live in an age where everything has been speeded up yeah. without asking for it. We've been given the opportunity to see what things look like when they're slowed down a bit. So what do we do? Maybe plant some flowers and and <laughs> uh, plant some seeds 
that that's a, that's the metaphor I'd like to use. Let's plant some seeds and see what grows out of this unexpected um, this unexpected situation. There will be people who uh, it will be really tough for. And I think that's going to, that is going to be the real test of us as a society and as a test of our uh, economy. And we need to make sure that when we come through the other side, that perhaps we put in place some things that are going to uh, improve that uh, situation. Well, I think that's uh, a really good note to finish off on. Uh, Dr. Colette Snowden, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the CEDAR podcast. And um, hopefully we'll touch base again in the future and maybe reflect on how well we think we've done uh, communicating through this very challenging time. Okay. Thank you, Melinda. Thanks so much.